You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Brock. Welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare, sponsored by NCQA. I will not be hosting today. Those duties are left up to our Assistant Vice President of External Relations, Andy Reynolds, and he'll be talking with our very special guest, NCQA President, Peggy O'Kane. The two of them are at the Digital Quality Summit 2019 in Boston, Massachusetts. Here we go. Peggy O'Kane, we are at the Digital Quality Summit, co-hosted by NCQA. What's the point of a Digital Quality Summit, and why is NCQA involved in such a thing? Well, we're trying to bring quality measurement into the 21st century. And, um, you know, we're working with uh, a set of very complicated issues. After the High Tech Act passed, we all had dreams of a digital future where information would flow seamlessly and would be, you know, extractable from uh, the records and so forth, and where people could really see what they were doing. And as a byproduct, quality measurement would be easier too. The reality has turned out to be way more complicated. And so the future uh, keeps getting postponed. And um, so in the world of measurement, uh, we're trying to break through and make it more efficient and to um, have some of the standardization that we stand for flow down to the delivery system. All of that is extremely hard because um, people are working their way through uh, having electronic medical records and other electronic sources of data uh, in u- unique ways in each delivery system. And so um, when health plans are asking for data that they need for quality measures, uh, they're faced with a real Tower of Babel. And um, so I think that there are many efforts to kind of... Um, reduce the number of languages being spoken in the Tower of Babel. Um, And so we've become part of that. And this conference, this Digital Quality Summit, we do it with HL7, which has been doing uh, really great work in trying to standardize a lot of this information. Um, So uh, I think it's a time that feels the importance of this is undisputable. But the complexity of the the task is also pretty challenging. So um, it's kind of a time where we we have speakers. We talk about the state of the art. We talk about what NCQA is trying to do. But there are a lot of people right now in, in rooms that are kind of talking about their own experience or work, trying to work through what has to happen if we're going to get to a more uh, seamless future digitally. You mentioned the people who are in our working sessions in those workrooms. You have attended many of those. What have you learned in your two and a half days at this? I've learned it's really complicated. <laughs> and I've also learned that there are very, very different levels of understanding. I would put myself at the like kindergarten level of understanding, and there are people that are at the PhD level of understanding. And um, you know, one of our challenges is that we want to have a future where people don't fall by the wayside because they're not at the level or their organizations aren't at the level of being able to produce digital data in a reasonable way. So um, it's the huge, most big change management uh, challenge that I can think of. 
I think even more so than what we faced in the early days when we were just doing HEDIS because we were taking, you know, pretty simple data sources and just specifying measures. So um, it's it's humbling and uh, it's also exciting. And it's great because there's an esprit de corps among the people that are here um, who want to change the world. So it's always nice. Have you changed your mind about anything, either from this conference or in, uh, from recent events when it comes to measuring healthcare quality? I feel I feel like I've learned more about things that where my knowledge was an inch deep. Now maybe it's a foot deep. Um, but you know, I think when we first started talking about this, I think I underestimated the magnitude of the challenge. And we've kind of heard back from many of the people that report HEDIS about what they're facing. And so I think the change in my broad outlook has already had already happened long before this conference, just from the conversations we've been having with organizations we work with. So um, I, I don't I can't think of anything that I've changed my mind about, but that's because I, I don't have a whole lot that's nailed down at the moment. So what can you tell us about the future of HEDIS? What do you have in mind for where uh, the healthcare effectiveness data and information set is headed? Well, I mean, ultimately, I, I have this very gauzy vision of a healthcare system where practitioners are entering data in a painless way, maybe even by voice, um, voice command. Uh, and the data then is being used to drive care, and then it's also going off or easily extractable for quality measurement. And where um, practitioners in real time are also seeing the gaps in care, or you know, there's there's something that's affirmatively grabbing their attention when they're working with a, a certain patient and make sure that the right thing happens. And that's not just quality measurement. There are all kinds of things like that, you know, drug-drug interactions or uh, somebody's, uh, you know, numbers have gone south very b badly and something needs to be done about it. Um, the current state couldn't be much further away from that. Um, it just feels like um, it's kind of a punishing experience right now for practitioners and um it's really not, it's not a positive environment for quality. Um, and so I think we're in a race to try to fix some of this um, so that we're not driving people away. And what role does digitalization of the measure set uh, have? Digitalization. Well, I, I think that, you know, in our innocence, when we started conceptualizing this, we thought, this is going to make it easier. And um, what we're seeing is that, yeah, we might get to that stage, but we have to go through a whole lot of hurdles before it gets to that easier place. And I think we can't afford to make it harder in the short run in order to get to easier in the long run. So that's a real big challenge. And so what are the things that we can do? Uh, can we do things with measures? Can we work with, we just heard Mickey Tripathi speak from the Massachusetts eHealth Collaborative. Can we work with organizations that are kind of at that interface um, between the delivery system and, and quality um, to kind of uh, make, it, make it simpler, you know? So are there ways to work around rather than put more burden on people in the delivery system to get it, 
get it to work right. Does this moment in healthcare remind you of something else, maybe uh, in your own career or even in another industry or another era? Well, the, the, what comes to mind uh, is the banking industry. And um, yesterday we heard from John Glasser from Cerner um, about how the banking industry has created some interoperability, but it's not 100%. And, you know, his examples are kind of like, oh, of course, they want us to be able to use each other's ATMs, but they don't want to, like, if you ran out of money in your Bank of America account, be able to, you know, have Wells Fargo fork the money over. So there are limits to interoperability. Um, and I don't know, you know, there there, you know, we, we know people use healthcare. Uh, they're not particularly loyal to one system many times. Um, so I think to think about that analogy, uh, it takes you only so far, but it is an example of where there was chaos. And for a lot of business reasons, they had to sort it out. It was a win-win for all of them. And yet they, they're not completely interoperable. So I'm not sure what the future looks like here, but I doubt that it's completely interoperable. What are you most uh, excited by and uh, what are you most worried about these days? Well, I'm excited about the future that uh, that uh, healthcare is facing, I hope. Um, last night we heard from Craig Samet from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota. Uh, and he presented a vision for what he wants to do with his health plan um, to be much more ambitious about cutting costs because he believes that the cost situation of healthcare is the bomb that's been, it's actually been slowly going, going off all along, um, but that it's become intolerable, the cost of care, and that we have to figure out ways to deliver care that are really more inventive. What purchasers have done uh, in the private sector is put a lot of deductibles in place and a lot of copays uh, that effectively have cut back people's levels of insurance. Um, I think even the the payers, uh, the, those purchasers of care, um, understand that they've gotten to a limit. There are many people who never actually get a claim paid in a year because the deductibles are so high. And we're talking about $5,000, $10,000 for a family. Um, we know people don't have that kind of money sitting in the bank waiting to be used to, to get health care. So there is a... Um, there's a kind of slow rolling crisis, and what are we going to do about it? Um, we we certainly know the public is aware of this, and there's a lot of calls for Medicare for all and so forth. Whatever it is, we have to do a much better job of getting health for less money, and um, so that's a that's a that's exciting and scary to think about. So your excitement and uh, your your worries are are one and the same. I mean, isn't that true of a lot of things? I mean, I think so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's all this new digital technology. Um, you know, there's tremendous invention coming out uh, for healthcare. And many times you see a really cool app or something and you think, well, how is this going to work within the delivery system? And sometimes the companies really don't even think of it that way. They think of it as kind of divorced from the delivery system, kind of out here in orbit in space by itself. 
I don't think that's the the key. Uh, I think for many things, um, you know, if you have chronic disease, which accounts for a whole lot of the money that gets spent in the system, and you now have an app that's continuously monitoring whatever numbers uh, needed to be monitored, um, if somebody's not at some point you know, like if your numbers go really bad on your diabetes and somebody's not helping you figure out that you're eating wrong or you're not taking your meds right, um, I don't think it's going to work. So um, there's this whole question about is it going to be AI or is it going to be augmented intelligence, Is uh, you know, artificial versus augmented intelligence. Um, I'm pretty much firmly in the camp that unless there's some human being that's worrying about you, and maybe this is going to be an avatar in the future, I don't know, um, that otherwise it's just kind of uh, a signal that, that nobody's going to pick up on and nothing will happen. Who are leaders you admire who you think are doing a good job in life? I don't think I want to call out any one person. Um, I think, you know, we've we've had the privilege to talk with a number of CEOs um, and leaders of strat strategy development in plans in the tech industry um, at CMS. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are really determined to bring the future closer to us and to have a future where health is more effectively achieved. So I don't really want to talk about any one person, um, but um, I think what they have in common is they're all looking at what's possible, not what we're currently doing and can we work harder on the current path. It's much more, what are the new things that are possible now that we haven't been aware of or that haven't been possible and how can we use them to kind of quickly adopt these new paradigms and get better results? I mean, it's one of those truisms that scientific breakthroughs in healthcare take 17 years to diffuse and be widely adopted. Um, we can't afford that with technology, um, with this kind of technology. I mean, the, the opportunities really are tremendous and to make it the system much more user-friendly and much more affordable. So um, I, I think people that are keeping those aims in mind and whose hearts are really tied to the patients and the health of patients are the people I admire most. What keeps you up at night and what you, gets you up in the morning and excited to keep leading NCQA after almost 30 years? Mm -hmm. um, well, what keeps me up at night is kind of the challenges to quality. And I think that there, I mean, I, I don't mean the day-to-day -day challenges that have been there all along or that have gotten more complicated as care has gotten more complicated. But I think that there are kind of political forces that are that are saying, we don't need all this quality measurement. You know, we can just like, we can have a two measures or something. And um, that way we will know whether something is working. And typically the measures are really much more about cost avoidance than about quality. So it's it's inevitable that um, compl complex movements wind up having pushback and, you know, kind of backlash. And I think we're in a peak of backlash at the moment. And so we're kind of in a race. And, you know, when we hear these kind of gut-wrenching stories of what how providers and physicians and nurses are spending their time, we know we, we have no time for this. We, we need to figure it out and make it better without losing the really important uh, 
foundations of accountability, and that includes quality, and quality should be like front and center. When you say gut-wrenching stories of how clinicians are using their time, what do you mean? Paint us a picture there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're hearing stories of, of doctors that are, you know, they're kind of working, you know, seeing patients every 15 minutes or whatever, um, and then they're going home at night with their laptops and they're entering data about the patients. So that is not a life. And, you know, you need a lot of psychic energy to be a healer, right? You cannot just be there and going through the motions and and then come home and not, you know, be able to have downtime with your family or watching TV or whatever it is we do to recharge ourselves. That is really uh, a terrible situation. And, you know, it's ironic because these are the people that are going to be telling people that they need to take it easy, that they may need to make sure they get rest and so forth. So to have them be so beleaguered and besieged is really not acceptable. What's your vision for future digital quality summits? You know, there's no doubt that a lot of progress is being made every day. And so part of it is to just learn about the progress. Um, you know, in these breakouts, I think it would be great to be sharing more best practices. Or somebody was talking about mapping, you know, the fact that people are developing their own ways of coding and so forth. Maybe if we put out some common pathways, kind of maps or something, maybe people wouldn't want to invent their own. I mean, it's a pain in the neck to invent your own. So, I mean, I'm really struck by how often uh, the wheel is being reinvented over and over and over again. And then at the end of it, we're trying to make them all round or make them all lined up to, to move something. So there has to be a better way of commonly moving things forward. So the Digital Quality Summit would be a way of kind of, it wouldn't be, the, I mean, there would be more continuous connection with people that are working together, but it would be a way of checking in, of showing people what's possible and of, uh, you know, making them aware that they can, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. What else is on your mind or what else do you think people who care about healthcare quality measurement should know what's on the mind of uh, the president of NCQA? Well, I, I, I think, you know, yesterday um, we had a very interesting discussion with Dana Safran from Haven and um, Chuck Jaffe from HL7, and we were talking about patient-reported outcomes. And I do think that there's tremendous potential to be managing against the outcomes. Um, and um, Another speaker, uh, Ken Mandel from Children's Hospital, was talking about a project called CARA, which is a children's registry for kids with rheumatoid arthritis, where they are actually tracking these kids' outcomes and they're able to improve care. And, you know, it just um, that kind of, um, there's, a, there's a very visceral sense, I think, of commitment to these children and understanding that it's not just taking the formula that I have about, you know, dosing of drugs. I mean, that's very interesting because there are different reactions. And it's only by collecting this kind of data that we can make sure that we're moving moving forward. And, you know, there have been other examples of this. There's a uh, registry at Cincinnati Children's for kids with irritable bowel syndrome. Um, these things to me are so incredibly exciting. And um, so how does quality measurement 
encourage that kind of thing and use the data from that kind of thing without having its own steps? I, I think those are those are really good questions. Um, so the, the possibilities for quality improvement are so fantastic that we want to make sure we give people the freedom to try these experimental things and not just always be worrying about how am I going to get my HEDIS numbers reported. So um, that's a, a very important point for me. This is NCQA's podcast, so we'll close by asking you what podcasts other than this one are you listening to these days or what books are you enjoying? Well, I was just telling you that I listened to Ma Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Revisionist History podcast about the LSAT. And I would highly recommend this to people because the, this is the law school admission test. And um, he actually, you know, he'd heard about it. He took it. He and his assistant took it. And there's a whole very, very interesting thing about how the LSAT absolutely determines your future and how it selects for a certain type of intelligence, which actually, ironically, isn't necessarily the type of intelligence that makes you prosper in a law firm. So I think it's a great cautionary tale about some of the, the idiocies of measurement that, um, that we all need to pay very careful attention. Peggy O'Kane, thank you very much. Thank you. NCQA President Peggy O'Kane on the Digital Quality Summit and the future of digital quality measurement right here on Inside Healthcare. Before you go, we want to ask you to give us a rating. Uh, that moves us up in search engines and that gets more listeners for the quality objectives at NCQA. Have a great day. We'll see you again, no doubt.